This is the Annex, a sociology podcast. Today, should sociologists try harder? Our panelists are Netta Magbule from the University of Toronto, Clayton Childress from the University of Toronto, Aliza Luft from UCLA, and James R. Jones from Rutgers, Newark. The panel was recorded on Thursday, April 11th, 2019. So, hi, James. Hi. Hi, Clayton. Hey. And hi, Eliza. Hello. It is great to be able to fulfill our contractual obligation to have at least one UCLA person on the annex <laughs> at all times. I'm bringing the sunshine to the rest of you. <laughs> Thank you, because it is snowing in Toronto, and we are recording this on Thursday, April 11th. <laughs> I felt so bad. I realized I was walking around my Birkenstocks on campus again today, and I was, and, um Steve Hitlin is coming to give a talk from Iowa and, and almost couldn't make it because his flight was canceled. And I was just like, oh, God, I should really feel guilty about this. Like, it's not right to walk around in flip-flops when I know that so many people are just suffering in snow and terrible weather. But, you know, we have our fires. So, <laughs> <laughs> so guys, we're recording this discussion today, Thursday, April 11, and Yesterday, sociology Twitter experienced perhaps the biggest event in its young history on that hell site, which was dealing with some friendly fire from fellow sociologist and past guest of the Annex podcast, Fabio Rojas of Indiana University. So in case our listeners are not on Twitter, and God bless them if they're not, uh, <laughs> here's what happened. Um, Fabio uploaded to Org Theory a blog post that was titled, what if sociology does not really want to have a public impact? A commentary on economics and sociology blogs. And the thesis of Fabio's post is basically that sociologists have foregone blogging and blogging's impact for policymaking and social change in favor of what he calls retweeting the latest political outrage, unlike economists. And so I'm curious, you guys, uh, what were some of your favorite reactions or takes that you saw in the social Twitter sphere to Fabio's post? Um, I think my favorite uh, reaction was uh, Tressy McMillan Cotton, who I love on Twitter and just overall, um, who in many ways dis this uh, argument in um, a multitude of ways, but who did so on Twitter on her way to Capitol Hill <laughs> to testify about uh, in the Senate about the reauthorization of the Higher Education Act. Um, so talking about influence, um, and like it was just a hilarious takedown for me. Yeah, I really, uh, I, I can't say enjoyed, but uh, appreciated Andrew Perrin's take that uh, under an administration that is completely disinterested in empirical evidence, watching sociologists and economists like fight over the scraps of anybody caring uh, is just quite sad. I felt like there was a lot that was really weird about Fabio's post, and I understand it was intended to be provocative, perhaps, um, though I, I would argue that right now is not the best time to publicly be saying things like sociologists don't give a shit about public discourse and impact and influence, because I think we all do very deeply. Um, but one of them was, uh, you know, 
some people pointed at this sort of focus on, it seemed like he was focusing on sort of these top schools, these archaic ways of teaching, focusing on theory classes as if sociologists don't work very hard to make theory relevant to contemporary events or our students' current lives and concerns. Um, and then what seemed to be through his dismissal of Tressy and many other public sociologists or sociologists who have had a tremendous public impact of especially um, women and African-Americans public impact because they've been some of the most vocal public sociologists in recent years. And Tressie is such a great example of that. Um, the other thing I'll say, so one is uh, Pam Hurd, I thought had a really good take on it. What I liked about her take is that she was pointing out many of the social and institutional forces that make it difficult for sociologists to have a powerful voice in policy debates. Um, in contrast to Fabio's assertion, which is basically like sociologists aren't trying hard enough, which to me seems such an anti-sociological perspective. Um, and so Pam was pointing out that it's very difficult for sociologists to do applied research in the same way that economists do. And one of the reasons is because we evaluate things that are difficult to measure in real time. Um, I, I don't think she made that specific point, but it, but essentially that is a big difference between sociology and economics is we're paying attention to things like culture and relationships um, institutional forces and how they change fast or slow over time and their their influences on why people do the things they do or make the choices that they do. Um, that is very difficult to evaluate and put out a quick policy report on. Um, and then the she also made the point that economic domination policy can make it really hard for others with different perspectives to have a voice. Um, and others responding to her reply, she said, you know, she pointed out that Liz Pop Berman is writing a book on this right now. Marianne Foucault is written about economists and societies. But I do think that's a very powerful point as well, because if you have um, economics as, as so dominant in the policy sphere, uh, and I actually come from a family in a sense of economists and I'm the lone sociologist, um, getting people to pay attention to alternative perspectives can be a struggle. And I've, you know, this is like dinner table conversation <laughs> um, in my household when I go home for holidays and stuff like that. And another really key point that I'll just say, and then I know I'm talking a lot, uh, is is Pam said that discrimination within the field of economics, you know, gender discrimination, other discrimination makes it less likely for sociologists or people who are sociologically inclined to feel comfortable necessarily entering these debates on their grounds. But we absolutely engage many other ways. And I know we, um, we've all been thinking about this and talking about this before the podcast, but we can all think of lots of different ways that sociologists have engaged in policy debates, even if they're not necessarily on the economists' platforms, so to speak. So I, I really liked Pam's take on it because she was pointing out some of the structural and institutional factors that might make it seem as if sociologists aren't contributing, even though we clearly are. Yeah, this really, you know, uh, I, I really strongly agree with everything Elisa is saying. And it really makes me uh, think of two different things. Um, and it's thinking two different ways about, like, what do we mean by the influence of econ? Uh, so on the first hand, uh, if by the influence of econ, we mean the influence of econ on popular conversation, like, I don't think we should let people gaslight us about that, because that's just not true. <laughs> like, there was a major econ fad in, like, popular nonfiction publishing from maybe 2004 to 2010 or so, which was brought on by Freakonomics, and then, like, everything that came in the wake of that, 
you know, with like the trade econ books about how econ can like change your life and help you fix your car oil and make your wife fall back in love with you. But like that has totally passed. Uh, and if we look back in the last five years, you know, with uh, some of the things that Elise is referencing, uh, we have things like Evicted and things like Thick that are really driving uh, like popular press conversations. Uh, as far as econ goes beyond Piketty, like I can't think of anything. And I don't think Piketty is the econ we're talking about when we're talking about econ. Uh, we also see people like Malcolm Gladwell who have like really made a sharp turn into the more social side of the social sciences uh, and focusing on the empirical study of things like inequality that are really the bread and butter of sociologists. In terms of what we as sociologists can do to foster that, my sense is that as a discipline, we have grown increasingly tolerant of academic sociologists who write to a popular audience, um, but the fangs come out when people do that successfully. Like we tolerate the attempt, but if it's too successful, the backbiting starts. And like, that's something we do to ourselves. It's not mm -hmm. something that anybody do, does to us. Um, in the same vein, uh, you know, if, if we're not talking about popular conversation, we're talking about influencing policy. In terms of grassroots mobilizing, I think uh, like we have that on lock. We're the people who are doing that. Um, in terms of the business world uh, and government, again, I think... To the degree that we are not influential in those spheres, we do, it's not complete control, but we do have some, there, there are things we can do. Just in my own experience, I have yet to be close to a single uh, sociology PhD who leaves academia and goes to work in policy or goes to work in the business world and doesn't feel anxiety about like losing their street cred as a real sociologist. I think we can do a much, much, much better job of celebrating people who go on to work in government and who, uh, you know, uh, all the sociological data scientists who go and uh, try to make Twitter less of a hellhole or try to make Facebook less messed up. Uh, we should be celebrating those people, not making them insecure about not holding academic positions. Yeah, I agree with some of the points that both of you have made. And I think that the the thing that really shone through to me during like every phase of yesterday's sort of like ongoing, you know, Twitter fiasco around this was like the degree of solidarity that sociologists were showing and the kind of way that it was bringing people from uh, typically sort of like disparate positions in the field together around some sort of a solidarity or a concretization of what our contribution is, where we see ourselves in the field. And I think that um, to kind of follow up on what you just said, uh, Clayton, that it would be really interesting for us to more formally uh, engage or like bring uh, bring those sociologists back home, yeah. right? Who, like you said, have gone into industry or who have gone into policy and to really formalize those relationships in a much more direct way than we currently are doing. And so I know uh, because I live with Clayton and we often talk about these things at the dinner table we were talking last night. Ooh. Yeah, you, um, you mentioned, right? Like, why don't we have some sort of an ASA award that's for like a sociologist who wound out in the world and like did good in the policy sphere or in in industry right so people who might not or in like just grassroots movements like right mm -hmm. so not somebody that has necessarily a university affiliation at present moment but they're very much in the world as like an efficacious working sociologist and i think um something that occurred to me when we were talking about this was like oh triple sp does have some sort of an award right that like gets it that unique 
kind of work that some sociologists are doing. And so that's actually one of the differences between two of the major organizations in our profession, Triple SP and ASA. So it was something to sort of chew on and think about. I just think it's so interesting. Um, And let me just say for the listeners who don't know that I'm Canadian, even though I live in LA, or else they might not understand all our Canada jokes. Um, (laughs) So, um, but in ASA, we do have an award for someone who's doing public sociology who isn't a sociologist and who isn't trained as a sociologist. And we sort of bring them in and say, thanks for doing work that you may or may not realize it is actually very sociological. And it's ironic that we don't have the opposite of someone who is trained in sociology but has had a really great public impact far and beyond our discipline necessarily. And I, I was also thinking what you said about training students, um, because especially with the precarity of the current job market, uh, you know, when I was doing my PhD, because of the work I do, I always had a foot in the policy world. And I spent many summers doing research for various think tanks and organizations. And that was my, if I don't get a job, this will be my backup. So I'm prepared. And, and now I, you know, I have my job and I love my job. I also have a lot of students who do similar kinds of work or ask similar questions. And I often sit down with them and I say, okay, well, what do you want to do when you're done? And some of my students, do you see their research as potentially leaning more towards having a policy influence um, than an academic influence? And, and so I try and train them to be successful in academia so they have options, but also to introduce them to possibilities for publishing in policy world and other organizations. I think one of the things that makes us tricky as a discipline for doing that uh, and it's, I almost feel like ironic saying this, is our profound commitment to theory. And the reason why I feel ironic saying it is because I love theory so much and I'm such a theoretically inclined person. And when I think about things, I tend to think about them in terms of these like larger theoretical ideas. But for policy, you know, you can't really sit there and talk about Bourdieu or about Weber, you have to really get down succinctly to the basics. And they're not interested in hypothesizing or theorizing about the larger ideas undergirding your findings. Um, It's very much often about getting to the point. And I think that's a struggle when it comes to training students to do both who are interested in doing both. And I also wonder if that's why people who leave academia or leave sociology to work in policy sometimes feel unwelcome when they come back. That's a really, really great point. And it kind of, you know, it, it, it gets to that uh, cliche rub of, you know, sociologists think that economists make complicated things too simple and economists think that you know, sociologists make simple things too complicated. Um, mm-hmm. and, and one of those does kind of align with uh, being out in the world as opposed to alone in your office a little bit. Right. So do we think there's anything to the characterization of economics as harder working or more relevant? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because, you know, there was like definitely uh, that moment yesterday on Twitter when uh, Fabio's post was taken up by economists, people like Justin Wolfers. Um, And then there was the moment where Wolfers admitted he got ratioed on his take, which was to say, (laughs) right, that uh, indeed economists are the ones that are working harder. And so uh, he then walked that back. But, you know, there were like some prominent people in sociology who tipped their cap and they said there's something to Fabio's post or they agree with Wolfers. And so what do you guys think? Like, is there anything to this characterization? I think more generally, 
I find this conversation a little bit exhausting because I find the degree to which sociologists let economists live in their heads to be super exhausting. Like I don't let imaginary ideal type bad faith economists live in my head. And like the way sociologists talk about economists reminds me of like a friend who can't get over a breakup. Uh, And it's like, I wonder what she's thinking about me. Uh, and the answer is like, asshole, she's not thinking about you. Just get over it. Like, just live <laughs> yes. your life. Um, I love that. So uh, my vote is I'm exhausted. I'm just very tired. <laughs> okay. So sociology's on the rebound. <laughs> yes. Econom- <laughs> yeah. Economics isn't thinking about us anymore. We need a new boo. Or maybe we should fall in love with ourselves as sociologists. <laughs> self-love award which is where we bring those sociologists back into the fold rather than trying to give an award to malcolm gladwell right for caring about sociology then let's actually you know show a little love to ourselves absolutely yeah. I was going to say, I also really liked Seth Maskett's tweet. He said, tweet harder sociologists. And I'm just like, crack me up. Um, But I mean, how do you evaluate what working hard is? I was working till like 1 a.m. and I woke up at 5. And this is an especially busy week for me. Um, Over the weekend, my nieces were in town. I had the best time ever. And I didn't do any work for like 48 hours. And like, but what does that mean? Am I working as hard as an economist or not? Are we working? Like, how do you evaluate hard work? Is it how much your brain hurts when you're thinking through certain ideas? It's just such a silly way to even um, make sense of something like this. I think you do what economists do and you figure out whichever proxy variable is most convenient to collect and then you just call it hard work. Right. Well, okay. So that reminded me of one other thing that I wanted to say, which is, um, you know, I think the reason why sociology is sometimes perceived as not hard work is because occasionally the results of our research are perceived as common sense. And this is something we have to explain to our students over and over again. Now you're reading perhaps some evidence for something that you always felt to be true or you always perceived to be true, but now we have the evidence for it. And that's very different from just saying like, sociologists are pointing out racial inequality still exists like done no we are actually showing how it exists how it reproduces you know um, we're going to talk about james's work in a second which or, or later in the podcast about racialized organizations these are exciting interesting provocative ideas the fact that they become common sense perhaps over time is another way of showing sociological influence but i think one thing is also it, it matters how our work is received um, so Eric Kleinenberg tweeted out um, an article from uh, Pat Sharkey at NYU and from 2017 in the Chronicle, basically saying how sociologists and economists have finally come to the same conclusion. Um, and there's this consensus that, you know, neighborhoods matter. Um, but when economists do it, it's flashed uh, on the New York Times uh, and they're dedicating numerous news articles where the idea that neighborhood context matters is something that has been well-documented for decades within sociology. But I think this all goes to the point, like, it matters how your work is received, right? In the sense that I'm someone who does public sociology, and I'm not a blogger, but, you know, sometimes I write op-eds. And it's really hard. And so I pitch a lot. And what happens is that sometimes you're just ignored, 
Uh, and then oftentimes, by the time you're pitching to one outlet, you have to wait and then submit it to another outlet. You miss the story. Um, and so it's incredibly hard to actually influence the public in ways that economists do because sociologists don't have the cachet. I think one thing I probably would agree with Fabio with is that economists have dedicated more resources to like engaging the public, right? So he talks about uh, the national, uh, the creation of the National Bureau of Economic Research. So ASA, you know, we have that fellowship uh, where you will at least send one person to work in Congress. Uh, but we could actually thinking about if we want to have an, a greater influence in policy, like creating multiple positions like that. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, but when I was working in Congress, the person who was heading our legislative department, our legislative director, was actually a sociologist with a PhD from American. So we're there, we're like influencing policy, but you know, we need to support those people who are actually doing that work. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Annex, a sociology podcast. Special thank you to our panelists, Netta McBoulay from the University of Toronto, Clayton Childress from the University of Toronto, Elisa Luft from UCLA, and James R. Jones from Rutgers, Newark. We're on the web, sociocast.org slash Annex, on Twitter at Sochanex, and on Facebook, the Annex Sociology Podcast. Our producer is Liseth Moreno. Thank you for listening.